Blog Talk Radio. It's me, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And yes, it is me, Micah. I am so very glad to have you all back with me for yet another episode of the talk with Micah and friends. Episode number 24 to be exact. Titled, Healthy Conversation Always Leads to a Healthy Debate. But we'll actually get to that in just a second. I want to remind everyone out there to follow us on Instagram. That's the talk with Micah, okay? As well as Twitter, Micah the Talk. So again, Instagram, the talk with Micah. Twitter, Micah the Talk. And please be sure to like our Facebook page, which is simply the talk with Micah and friends. And like I'll say each and every show, I appreciate the love and the support. And trust me. It does not go unnoticed. And don't forget, you actually have the ability to subscribe to the show via iTunes. Okay? There you're actually going to be able to listen to all episodes from season number one, and it's about 21 on that one. Okay? And season two. All right? And remember, it's totally free. That's right. The subscription is free. I'm not charging you just yet. We have some very exciting and upcoming promotional projects to tell you about within the coming month, as well as various partnerships with your area nightclubs in Orlando and West Palm Beach, Florida, Atlanta, New York, Philly, D.C., New Orleans, as well as Dallas and Houston, Texas, just to name a few. So stay tuned for that. And we're also working on a dating show. That's right. Micah is playing Cupid in the month of August. So my team and I, we're still working out the kinks and the details, but I want you all to get excited about it, okay? So if you're single and ready to mingle, I'll say it again, if you're single and ready to mingle the right way, let Micah and friends treat you to the date. But I'm not going to give everything away too much, just too soon, but please, please, please stay tuned, okay? All right. Well, you know what time it is. It is now time for the free and clear, free and clear, free and clear segment. Dream Boy Continental will be held in Chicago, Illinois on Monday, July 21st, 2014, an official preliminary to the Mr. Continental Competition Labor Day weekend. Featuring entertainment by the reigning Mr. Continental Khalil Valentino, former Continental Kings Antonio Edwards, Angel Saez, Simba R. Hall, and the lovely Miss Entertainer of the Year, Raquel Lord. Contestant check-in is at 6 p.m. Categories will be interview starting at 7 White presentation, swimwear, formal wear, talent, and on-stage question. Again, that's Dream Boy Continental, Monday, July 21st, 2014. Legendary Philly mother, Lisa Prodigy, and Dante Balenciaga present Watch the Throne 2.0, Once Upon a Star, Statement, and Legend Ball. To be held in Washington, D.C., September 27, 2014. Again, once Upon a Star, Statement, and Legend, presented by the legendary Philly mother, Lisa Prodigy, and Dante Balenciaga. French Connection presents Miss Europe Continental 2014, honoring Nasha Lopez, Miss Continental 2013-2014, in Lyon, France, on July 22nd. The doors will open up at 7, showtime's at 8, tickets, $20. 
with special guests to include, but not limited to, Miss former Miss Continental, Tulsi, Candy Stratton, French Stratton, Alex, and the old Paradise cast. Again, Miss Europe Continental 2014, an official preliminary to Miss Continental 2014 in Chicago, Illinois. Disco Fever Baby, who has it? First, Miss Heavenly and the 23rd Miss Heavenly at Large, starring Lindsay Page, Miss Heavenly at Large, Sunday, July 20th, 2014, in New Orleans, Louisiana. Presentation for the Miss Heavenly contestants, white. For the Miss Heavenly at Large contestants, black. Other categories, swimwear, talent, evening gown, top five question and answer. To enter, it's only 250 dollars, and the winner receives 2,000 girls, okay? Again, that is the first Miss Heavenly and the 23rd Miss Heavenly at Large to be held Sunday, July 20th, 2014, in New Orleans, Louisiana. B-Boy Blues the Play, adapted from the classic novel by James Earl Hardy, directed by Stanley Bennett Clay, will be presented in Atlanta, Georgia, August 2nd, 2014, sharp at 8.30 sharp at the Balls of Theater. Okay? And that's going to be on Lucky Street. Again, that's the B-Boy Blues, the play adapted from the classic novel by James Earl Hardy. And remember, if you have any announcements that you would like to be included in the free and clear segments, please do not hesitate to email us at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Again, that's thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Next up, a healthy conversation always leads to a healthy debate. Stay tuned. Welcome, Cam of Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, everyone. 
All right. Well, guys, I'm very excited about tonight, and I hope that we have a sensible yet meaningful conversation when it pertains to the topics that will be, that will be presented on tonight. Excuse me. <laughs> now, there are times that I may just direct the question to maybe two of the four of you or everyone or, you know, or I may single, you know, one of you guys out. So just be prepared. All right? Um, but I, it, it is at random, so I don't think I'm coming for anybody. Um, so let's just go ahead and get, go ahead and get these things started. Um, now, these topics were either posed by the Facebook family out there, um, questions or general posts that I've seen on walls of my friends, or things I felt needed to be addressed by four intelligent African-American men in today's society. So let's talk about predetermined sexuality. Um, for many years, there's been major discussion and debate among scientists, respected professionals, media bloggers, and even our own community on this very subject, being born gay. So what I want to do is I want to get your perspective, okay? But before I inquire on those thoughts surrounding the issue, I want to actually uh, I want to read a post from a previous guest and a co-host of the show, and afterwards um, we'll talk about it. So let me pull it up. Okay, so it reads, something was just brought to my attention, and now it makes sense to me why people struggle with the born gay concept. Women in high school and college make gay, lesbian relationships looks as though it's a choice. They mess with a few women in undergrad, out themselves, wear rainbow jewelry, but eventually end up with a man or pregnant. Even in the media, like Orange is the New Black and Sex in the City, women go gay with one snap, only to run back to penis once things don't work out. I just want you guys to know that for men, that's not the case. Even if I wanted to date women starting today, I'll always be a gay man to society. That's why most bisexuals live under the radar. So that was the, that was the post. And uh, so the question is, do you agree with this young man who created the post, why or why not? So that's why I'm going to start first. So do you agree with the young man who created the post, why or why not? If you need me to repeat it, I'll be more than happy to do so. Um, and anyone can start. Okay. Well, I'll jump in. Um, um, do I agree with him? Not wholly. I can't say that. I don't think that he's given a definitive answer as to why uh, people see or why people perceive gay to be that way or why they think it, it could be a choice. I don't think that, that that could be a reason for someone. It may have a valid point for some particular person. That might be one person's perspective, but I don't think that's like the almighty savior answer to why people perceive gay being that way as a choice. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah, I, I have to agree with Neandre that uh, – I, I I certainly agree that that might be a perspective, like Neandre said, of one person, but um, I find that hard to believe that mass amounts of people find that a reason why people debunk the uh, genetic thing, so to speak, when it comes to sexuality. Um, I just, yeah, I, I just don't see that as a, a mass way of thinking. Okay. Anyone else before I, you know, ask the second question? Um, just to piggyback on on everything, I I do disagree uh, with uh, the original comment. I think that there are multiple 
uh, factors, you know, that contribute to uh, one's sexual orientation. So I think that though what he says does, like like the rest say that, you know, it applies to some, it doesn't apply to all. You know, there's there's varying factors as to why someone chooses to be gay or becomes gay even outside of being born that way, so. Okay. All right. Now, um, let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, do you believe that a person can be born gay? Of course. I absolutely believe that. Of course. Okay. So, yeah. so, so it makes – go ahead. Go ahead. Me too. I, I just said I was. You was born gay? Who was that? Yeah. Is that Antoine? Yeah. I, I, I didn't go shopping for this. <laughs> okay. Right. And I agree with you, Antoine. That was Andre. Totally born. Oh, oh that was Andre. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, well Lee Andre, I totally agree because <laughs> I do feel that I was also born gay. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I personally, uh, I get offended when I hear people use the word choice when it comes to sexuality. Um, I think, speaking for myself, that we all on this call know, and everyone listening, that. When you are in the gay lifestyle, it's not the easiest path that one would choose. Um, and I know already being a, a black male that there tends to be a strike there, and then being a gay black male, that's just I, – I, I personally would not choose to set up my life to have so much turmoil. If I had a choice, I definitely would have chosen another path. And I know when I was younger growing up um, and going through the process of finding out who I was, that – I, I question myself a lot of times. Why don't I like females? And I've never had sex with a female. Um, I don't know about – I've never had sex with a female. Um, I've always been curious to know what it's like, but it's never been something that I personally needed to do. Um, so I, 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 when, someone, when I hear people say choice, that, that really offends me because I know that I, th- this life is hard, and I would not purposely choose a hard life. I don't think anyone – if they have the choice to go, here's an easy route and a hard route, majority of people would go the easy route. So um, that's just me, and I get offended when I even hear the word choice or, or even in that statement. Okay. Okay, noted. Uh, anyone want to uh, challenge him, feedback, or do we need to just go ahead and um, go on to uh, my next question? Well, I kind of I kind of want to piggyback because it actually ties into the first question. Well, the first statement that the young man made about people thinking it's a choice, and I agree mm-hmm. with uh, Antoine in saying that it's not a choice. We I think you are born this way, but I think people get conflicted and confused because you do have those homosexuals out there who think they have chosen the lifestyle instead of being born this way. Then, you, like you say, you have those females out there who are temporarily homosexual just to experiment and then they go back to men. So all of these things can confuse other people. However, I ask everyone to really think about what they're saying and think about what they're really exercising because I think attraction is something that's innate. When you, when you examine your own attraction, whether it be to a male or a female, I think you should think about something, and that question is, what is making you attracted to this person? I don't think there's a conscious thought that says, 
I'm attracted to this person or I choose to be attracted to this person. So I kind of, when, when I get um, asked that question, I kind of ask people to think about that statement in itself. Ask yourself, have you ever made the conscious decision to say, oh, I choose to be attracted to you because of this? I think attraction is something that's innate, meaning it comes from within. You can't explain it. You don't know why, but it's just there. And I think when we think about it from that aspect, we'll get a better understanding and a better aspect of where we're coming from when we say we're born with it. Okay. Um, so I, I totally agree with what um, I, Cam was saying. Go ahead, Andre. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, I, I agree with what Cam is saying, um, and what, what he's saying is is almost like he just almost just revealed the the underlying truth of what our our society has known for years. There was a um, psychologist. Uh, way back in the 40s that um, I think his last name was Kinsey, and he created what was called the Kinsey Scale. And mm-hmm. what he, he, he proposed was that sexuality lies on a continuum. So there's like a scale of continuum um, where you can range from being an astute uh, heterosexual all the way over to being, you know, homosexual, or you can fall somewhere in the middle. And the reason why I believe that that scale is, 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 is accurate is because I think that it's at work. Like Cam just said, when you look at someone, you ask yourself, why are you attracted to them? Well, when you're looking at one person standing to the next, you can possibly be more, it's very possible to be more attracted to one than the other one, and that attraction is falling on a scale. If you line ten guys up in front of me, I can tell you which one I think is the most attractive. And that right. I'm placing them on my scale, but the scale they're falling, they're falling into my mental capacity of what I think is sexually attractive. And that's why I, I tr- strongly believe that way back in the 40s, 30s, whenever it existed, they discovered that sexuality does lie on a continuum, and therefore it's not a choice. You fall somewhere in a range, which is why bisexuality is so prevalent, because um, in the studies it showed that most people fall closer to the middle than they did to either side. Mm-hmm. So what about what about you know how people um, how can I word this you know how like they when they're growing up or especially now you know people say oh they're just doing it because it's a fad it likes like a fad or it's a phase or they're just doing it because that's what everybody else is doing and I think what I pulled from um, the young man that did create the post on last week. Um, was a lot of the times, and I've seen it, you know, before, once or twice, where it's more prevalent in girls than guys, but how you'll see the girls, they'll, you know, they'll play with the idea of being, you know, um, with, a, with a woman or with a girl, and then they'll let them, you know, do certain things to them, and they'll be in a relationship and all that kind of stuff, and then it's like they cut it off, and then they're back to being with a guy. So I think for a lot of society that don't really know, you know, how we feel on the inside and can't, can't really relate, they just equate that or they, they look at the fact that, oh, well, they can turn it on and turn it off. Why can't they turn it on and turn it off, you know? But have you guys ever witnessed that to where you, you'll see, like, I don't, I, I've never witnessed guys, but more so the, the girls or the ladies where they'll entertain girls and they'll go out with them and, you know, they'll have relationships and all of that. Before you know it, they're back with, with guys. So have you guys ever witnessed that? Or, and then what do you, what do you oh, have to yeah. say about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, for me, mm-hmm. I feel that, it's more of an open conversation now about sexual orientation mm-hmm. like we haven't had before. And, of course, especially with social media. You know, most families are built upon conservative ideals where most people, if you're born male, you're expected to automatically be in love, fall in love with the female. Same 
um, for a female. They're expected to fall in love with a man. So they never really have the chance to really explore the, the idea of sexual attraction to someone other than a, a male if you're female and a woman if you're male. And, and now the topic is circulating. We see it on TV, and people want to experiment. People want to explore. And they explore, and they find out, hey, it's not for them. So I feel that they're able to go back into society and be a heterosexual. And if they do experiment and they find that they like kissing a male and the interaction of a male, then they're going to continue to explore that. And maybe females on the side as well. I mean, I think that now it's just an open forum unlike it wasn't before. Okay. I, I would have okay. to take it back off that, and I would have to say I agree. But I also agree that sexuality has somewhat, be, well, homosexuality has somewhat become a fad because experimentation. Because I've been around people, say, for instance, I've been around this one male who got his penis sucked by another male. He decided he didn't like it. Now he's married with kids. I've been, I've been around someone who's been gay or participated in homosexual activities all the way up until they were about 44, and now they're married, and they still dibble dabble on the side. I've been around females who have four kids but is a real lesbian, believe it or not. And, like, being around entertainers like um, like celebrities and stuff, being around that field, I know for a fact that celebrities basically treat sexuality like a luxury. They figure they have, mm-hmm. they're, they're supposed to have access to any and everybody, and they literally have access to any and everybody they want. I've seen people, it was an interesting um, scenario that I was in one time. I was in the elevator. I'm not going to name names, of course, but I was with this one particular, <laughs> I was with this one particular um, celebrity, her bodyguard. And so we were in the elevator. Mind you, he's married, big, tall, burly dude, right? Had no idea he got down, none of that whatsoever. So he was escorting me up to the suite. And so he was like, um, so do you have any homeboys that can come and suck my dick real quick? Oh, excuse my language. <laughs> but he was like, do you have, he was like, do you have any homeboys that can come suck, come suck my dick real quick? And I was like, huh, come again? Then he was like, yeah, I just want something real quick. Look it up for me. Then I was kind of taken aback by that because I was like, first of all, you're so blunt about it, probably because of why I was there too. I was Among seeing her, I was there to see somebody else. But mm-hmm. that scenario in itself told me that they tr- – a few other scenarios, it's like they treat it like it's a luxury. They almost treat it like it's a drug. If they want it, they're going to get it, just because of the simple fact that they can. So it's like that whole fad thing, I can understand where some people are coming from when they kind of go with that notion. Um, okay. Kim's reply, about, um, Kim's reply about various people and being in various situations, such as the lesbian and having kids and that type of thing, it really, really just concrete explains why I believe in that sexuality is on a continuum and, and that it can vary. Um, that's why I support that statement um, from that uh, psych- psychologist. But um, earlier you said that you were wondering if are they just saying it because or just are they just doing it because. Uh, right. Learned, anytime people start things off with, are they just saying it because or no not are well people are trying to explain stuff by saying oh they're just doing that because or they're just saying that because that person seeks to explain something away they have done no research they have absolutely no facts they know nothing they're just trying Mm -hmm. to explain something away and get it over with sweep it under the rug you also said that um 
you wonder if they don't understand how we feel. Well, I think mm-hmm. maybe they do because I believe in that, you know, the continuum. I think mm-hmm. they probably do understand how we feel because they're probably harboring those feelings. They just don't have to confront it because they've chosen to ignore it, and that's where we come up with, you know, the quote-unquote the down low and, you know, um, all the experimentation and it becoming mm-hmm. a bad because they've mm-hmm. always had those feelings and they've always understood the girl who liked the girl and the guy who liked the guy. They just didn't have to confront it because they chose not to or they were told not to or they were afraid to. Yeah, I can't agree with Nebo more on that. I, I, when, when people say, oh, I'm, I'm just experimenting or I'm, I'm just trying it out, it's not like we're, we're trying food for the first time. I mean, this is, like I said, it's a, it's a deeper level. Attraction is a much deeper level than most people want to think about it. Yes, you, you think of it as a very superficial thing, but it's something mental that plays into it. That's why there's been a lot of debate about the quote-unquote gay gene. Um, so people who, like, when you have, you have a lot of porn stars who say, oh, no, I'm just gay for pay, um, and you have a lot of individuals who, who will try and write off this feeling so society doesn't look at them as some type of way. I think a lot of it has a way that society treats homosexuals as a, an outcast group that, most people are, are so quick to try and write it off, and so they use a, oh, I'm just experimenting, or no, 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 I'm, I'm just gay for pay, you know, only if I'm getting paid. That's their way of not having to deal with, like Neander said, the idea that they actually have that thought. They have that thought process. That they, uh, it's, a, it's a way of just putting it off, not making it as important. That way they don't have to deal with it. Uh, I wouldn't say that's the case for every single scenario because I feel like just as well as we have to see opposing viewpoints, we have well just as we expect them to see our side, we have to see their side. Right. Exactly. I do feel like there are heterosexuals who experiment for the sake of experimenting. That's just like me myself. I have had sex with a female just to see what it was like, just to see if I was cheating myself out of something, to see if it was you know, to see if there's something there, and it wasn't. And so I have to give other people the same benefit of doubt of having done the same thing, just thinking the same thing. Yeah. I think we get, we sometimes as a community get so focused on the anatomy of situations just because I'm being, me as a male, I'm attracted to another male, and that has to be the end of all. And it's not. I mean, people explore it. To me, it's no different than, when you're most males anyway, when they're that I grew up with in the gay community were attracted to hoodlums or goons, and when they see they're getting their ass kicked or, or, or possibly going to jail, is it the life that they want to lead? Then they're more attracted to a more aggressive business type. It's mm. preference comes into play. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I have nothing to say. I think you guys have said everything. <laughs> that, uh, I, I just wanted to know because, you know, that's something that um, people still struggle with. You know, um, are we born gay? You know, is it a choice? And, you know, I would say, you know, who really wants to it, – it's not more so now um, than it was when, you know, of course, all of us were growing up because we're not too far away from each other as far as age is concerned. So, of course, you know, growing up, who wanted to be gay? Who wants to be ridiculed? Who wants to be, um, you know, singled out? None of us. You know, but it's something that we fought with. I know for me, and I, I know Markel because, you know, me and Markel grew up together, you know, it's something that you, you fought with for, for a very long time until you felt like you were free or, or in a position to do whatever you wanted to and didn't have to worry about being judged or ridiculed or what have you. And I think now, of course, you know, graduated high school in, what, 2000? 
you know, it's 2014. 14 years, so much has changed, you know, and, and, and in a lot of areas, people can just be who they want to, which is, which is a great thing, you know. We have a lot to, to be thankful for and, and people who we um, give credit to being allowed, you know, allowing us to, to be able to walk into that freedom. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think that, um, that we are born, for the most part, 95% of us are, are born gay. Um, I, I think. I think. But, um, you know, I, I just want to know what you guys thought about that. Um, now, I, I will say this. Uh, don't ask me why this is happening. We are recording. Everything is, that, that part is fine. People are not able to get in, which is fine because I can post this later on and people can chime in. Well, not necessarily chime in anymore, but they can listen to the show. Um, so I did have an audio that I, that I wanted to play. Um, now, I can't play it from the – I don't think I, I'm going to try and play it from the um, – from the, my little studio here. If it plays, great. If not, I have a backup and I can play it, and hopefully you guys will be able to hear it. So let me play it first and see if it plays. If it doesn't, then I'll play it a different way. And then after we hear the audio, then we'll talk about it, and I have some questions concerning it. You a booty bandit, and prison fucking other niggas. I know your baby daddy, yeah, that nigga fell the victim. He a booty bandit, and he on some other shit. Come way to get no pussy, so he ain't a sucking dick. You a booty bandit. Look at him acting like he's G'd up. I seen him in his room laid by with his seat up. But what that nigga doing? I don't know, but his seat up. For the last couple of nights, him and his other dude meet up. I think the boy Boogie, yeah, he's sweeter than the Starbird. Paul came out the room and told the officer his jaw hurt. He told me all bad, I ain't lying what I saw hurt. He said he paid the faggot just to help him with the law work. But I've been doing research, he only got a year though. He say he in the game, but he got an extra year though. I seen the lubrication in the room on his pillow. And all you won't believe who I saw with that vizzo. I can understand the bitch being a dyke. But you fucking a nigga that look like Wesley Snipes. Still drops on your face, fucking niggas every night. I know you know what we call them niggas, right? What? You a booty bandit. Pretty fucking other niggas. I know your baby daddy. Yeah, that nigga fell a victim. He a booty bandit. And he on some other shit. Come here to get no pussy, so he ain't a sucking dick. You a Man, this nigga 6'6", six, six, about 235 on this bitch sucking dick. Nigga, give him a honey bun and give him a quick fit. He be wet M&M's and wear him like lipstick with some large pants on. Riggins is like a clown. Switching like a bitch and arching his eyebrow. He was thugging in the streets, robbing and selling cane. He done fucked the whole dorm and they gave him a nickname. Man, this shit crazy. Lying to his old lady. Nigga done transformed from a ghoul to a baby. His name was Marcus, but now they call him Mercedes. He wide open with it. This nigga ain't even faking. Catch a nigga down bad and eat him up off the bone. Cutting his gym shots and rocking him like a thong. And love a boo giant a sucker for peanut butter. But that's your baby daddy and you love him. Pretty much hear that? Yeah, you okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, uh, that was posted on Facebook, and I, and I saw that, but I, I want to start here, okay? Um, with the change in the exposure of homosexuality in mainstream media, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this to um, Antoine and Cameron first, okay? With the change in the exposure of homosexuality in mainstream media, why is being undercover? Still so prevalent in today's society. Oh, I, I I think that that depends on so many different factors. It can be your upbringing, uh, the background that you're in, even the ethnicity um, that you are. I, I know that Jamaicans are extremely, extremely underground, and that that becomes mm-hmm. how they treat themselves. There, I, I know a, a young kid who lives up here in New York City. Um, he escaped from Jamaica, um, and he's an illegal alien, and we're trying to work with him to get his. Uh, get him here um, under asylum because his his father told him if he comes back he will kill him in front of everyone 
Um, he was told that by his father. So um, th- th- there could be a lot of different reasons. Your upbringing, your, and I, uh, for example, some people wait until their parents die just because they can't, they don't want their parents to deal with that or have to face the ridicule from their parents. I mean, there's just so many different things that, that makes people do the things that, to make that stay undercover. It's just I feel that personally it could be a multiple, multitude of things that could uh, make one want to be DL or, or be undercover. Okay. Now what about you, Cameron? I mean, I agree with everything Antoine just said. And ultimately to me, like the DL life for some is just easier. Plain and put, it's easier to live that type of life. Um, I know someone who um, I used to mess with on a certain level, and he, he's also of, um, what well, I guess you would say, island descent. Um, he, he has the same views. He feels like he lives one lifestyle in Atlanta, but eventually he wants to get married and have kids and all of that stuff. But I, I asked him, I was like, well, why would you do that knowing that you're homosexual? Then he was like, well, it's because of the lifestyle that I've always dreamed for myself. This is how I was raised. I want a wife and kids, not a man and kids. And I was like, well, like now, well, recently, he just got out of like a four-year relationship. I was like, so you were just in a four-year relationship with the guy, but eventually you want to be married with kids, and you feel like you have to move away from Atlanta to do it. And he's really big on his image and how people would view him. Mm -hmm. feel like he won't be able to escape his past if he's still here and things like that. But nonetheless, I think people live those sort of lifestyles because it's simply easier. It's what we're molded on. It's what we're taught when we're coming up. And I think it takes the strongest type of people to actually live their truth. And I feel like as a man, I feel so disrespected when – heterosexual males, they condemn other homosexual men, and then there be the main ones actually fooling around on the low. I feel like you cannot call me le- or think of me as any less of a man because I live my truth, and you mm-hmm. live in a lie. So which one of us is the strongest and which one of us is the real man at the end of the day? And I say, I've always said, especially, you know, growing up as a, you know, moving to Atlanta at 19, I've, all, I've always said, you know, I remember, well, I'm sure. Well, he's not. He's not listening now because they can't listen. But uh, I remember. I, I um. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I remember going down. Everybody know five points. You know all that kind of stuff. And you know, if you're really gay and you switching your hips and all of that, you'll get called out, right? I don't know how it is now for the most part, but I know. 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, you walk down there with your switching and your eyebrows arched and all that, you're going to get called out, you know. But I'm always, and I used to be around someone that was all of those things. But um, I would always tell people, you know, if a, if a guy who, if you're comfortable, if you're a heterosexual and you're comfortable in your skin and who you are, you're never going to even try a gay guy or call him out, you know, call him names and stuff like that because you're confident and you're comfortable in who you are you and your sexuality. You don't have no worries about him trying you and this, that, and the other, you know, and you respect them for doing whatever. But it's the ones that want to call you out, you know, and want to, especially when you're not bothering nobody, you're just being you, but the ones who want to continuously call you out and call you faggot and punk and all that, those are the ones that are struggling in the inside, you know, as, as you guys said before. Those are the ones that are truly struggling on the inside, and they don't know how. Some of them wish they could probably be a, a lot of us, you know, but unfortunately they can't, so they, they continue to hide behind those um, closed doors. So, you know, that, that's always been my thing. You know, I tell people don't worry about it. As long as they don't touch you, you know, you keep it moving. Um, but that person is struggling on the inside. Let them deal with that. But I, I want to hear from DeAndre and Kale. Um, 
in regards to what you just heard and what was your interpretation of, of, of the guy rapping Booty Bandit? Like, what did you really get from what he was saying, and, and what do you feel that, you know, what was his purpose and, and all of that? So, Neandra, you can go, and then I'll give it to Kaya. Okay. Um, well, his purpose is um, to create his persona, whatever that may be, whether he may be struggling with himself being uh, DL or bisexual, or if he's a true homosexual who wants to seal his homosexuality, I'm sorry, a true heterosexual who wants to seal himself inside that box to give anybody, you know, make sure nobody has any doubt as to whether or not he's heterosexual because for some reason they feel the need to guard that. I'm going to talk about that reason. But they feel like they have to put, put themselves in a space where nobody is questioning whether or not they are homosexual because who's going to question the guy who made the Booty Bandit song, you know, calling everybody out? Everybody's <laughs> laughing at him and the fact that he was so brilliant to come up with this and ha, 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 we're making fun of the gays, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But clearly he's not someone who's participating in it. But um, the reason is it's cultural, especially um, in the black culture, specifically in the hip-hop culture. Um, that culture is one that has a horrible misconception of what is known as toughness and masculinity. Uh, those concepts, I believe, are built in like when a kid is brought up. Uh, you never hear anybody tell a little girl to stop running like a boy, but you will easily hear someone tell a little boy to stop crying like a girl. So it's a learned behavior and an ideal that it's not cool to be gay, uh, fruity, feminine, or you can't cry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That stuff is, is, is home-based, and it's instilled at home, and it pours out into society, and it becomes what the norm of society is. And that type of video is the result. We live in a society where, you know, it's built upon what you, what you have, what you can accomplish, you know, class and, and all that type of stuff. To, and to get the premiums of what you can have in our society, there are rules that have to be followed because of those norms that have been set in place from home. So in order to accomplish those things, they have to portray a straight role and an image so that they can enjoy what's called heterosexual privilege. It's mm. like there's there's black privilege and then there's there's white privilege and you know there's there's different privileges so you get certain privileges when you are heterosexuals that you wouldn't enjoy otherwise if you're homosexual and if you if you do not protect that heterosexual image then you lose those rights those opportunities and most right. often you lose that respect okay Thank you, Neandre. School me. I'm sweating. No, thank you so right, much. Right, right. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm just saying, okay, okay. And uh, I'm so gonna have to incorporate that whole uh, heterosexual uh, privilege. Yes, <laughs> okay. I like that. But do you do you ever do you ever think, Neandre, that there will be a homosexual privilege privilege in our day? You know, in our lifetime, I guess. The the the, hom- the homosexual privilege exists now. Um, okay. I don't. I'm I'm the type of person that I'm not seeking a homosexual privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm not, like I always get beat up by my friends because I always say mm-hmm. I don't want gay rights. I'm not looking for gay rights. I don't want gay rights. Right. Exactly. Everybody screams equality. Equality doesn't set you up and say you're going to have your own set of stuff. No, that's not equal. Mm-hmm. Just give me the mm-hmm. same thing you have and let's keep it moving. Right. So I think we do have homosexual privilege when they, you know we start putting gay rights into place and you know mm-hmm. that type of thing but mm-hmm. in order for in order for it to be equality though you have to not give gay rights you just have to treat everybody the same mm-hmm. I, I agree with that and what's hard about that is they have they're going to have to turn away from giving privilege to heterosexuals 
and I want to look at it from a different um, viewpoint, actually. I want to say my viewpoint of homosexual privilege, which does exist today, it is, is like there's no in-between the normal homosexual. And by that I mean you either have the DL ones who get dogged out for not coming out the closet or whatnot or staying in the closet, however you want to look at it, or you have the ones who do have homosexual privilege, which have become the mainstream uh, the mainstream homosexuals, which are the ones who are in the pumps and heels with full beards, lipstick, or drag queens and all of that. I feel like RuPaul, folks like Derek J, and this is nothing against them personally, but like the RuPaul drag race thing, the the every every celebrity has this flamboyant gay sissy, so to speak, or a gay homosexual male beside them. I feel like that's what America's view of the homosexual privilege is these days, not being mindful that they're in the minority, and there's a such thing as just a man with a preference. You know, there are many men who just are normal, everyday men who have preferences in their bedroom. And I feel like that's what the, the that's what I would like to see the whole view of homosexuality and and gay men become just a normal, everyday man like the next man. He just has the preference in his bedroom, but I feel like we can all do each other one better if we just stay out of each other's bedroom. I know me personally, I don't go around asking what other people do in their bedroom. I don't care what you do. You shouldn't care what I do. You know, and I think that's why my family actually respect me. And it's like I felt so, like, I felt overwhelmed when I went home recently for a funeral. And it's like I came, well, I didn't come out. I just addressed the issue that I never addressed before with, like, a lot of my male cousins and my uncles. And, you know, they all, they all, of course, like, well, we already knew it got around the family by now. But they respect the fact that I carry myself with a certain type of dignity. Like, I'm a man just like them. I don't. You know, I'm not really what you consider overly feminine or anything like that, and I've always carried myself in a certain way because, to me, this is another thing that I feel like we as homosexuals, homosexuals have to accept also about ourselves. If you place your, homo, your sexuality at the forefront of your being and the forefront of who you are to let it define your character, then mm-hmm. you need to, like, face the realism that you're going to be judged on that. You know, if you don't want that to be who you are, then just place your, present yourself as the person who you want to be seen as. It's, it's like I got hate mail at Alabama State when I was um, SGA, student government at one point in time, because this guy, he was like, um, he sent me this, this message to my inbox, and he was like, you know, I hate people like you because y'all pretend like y'all one thing and then y'all really aren't. I know who you are, Cameron Black, and you don't associate with us on campus and this and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. And I was like, um, well, you know, if you come around me with these hot pink pants on a netted top or whatnot, and I'm like, I mean, what do you expect? You know my stage name, true enough, but... On campus, I am Cam Gray. I'm Antonio Gray. You know, this is not who I present myself. This is not who I hang around on on a normal basis. So you right. can't expect me to just be, oh, we're 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 butt buddies just because both of us are gay. You're, you're not the type of gay man I probably associate with. You can't hate me for that. So I'm judging you just like I'm not really judging you, but I am seeing you or perceiving your being as what you presented to me, and that's not something that I want to be a part of either. Hmm. So you think, Cameron, that people. Um, because you did the pageants and the shows, or you do them, or whatever, and they're in the and they're also, you know, of course, in the community, and know who you are. They see that also as, as as a bit feminine. So this person is looking at you like I, I guess the, their thinking was, well, bitch, you uh, you do pageants and shows, you know what I'm saying? Like 
I don't. Yeah, you know, they, I, I, I think that's what they think was like. You do has been show, so you know that that's just that's just worse than than, than what I'm doing. And I'm just wearing pink pants and a pink top or a knitted top, you know. <laughs> so and it could and that could have very well been the issue. But my mm-hmm. thing is, you're going off of who you think you know, which is Cameron Black, instead mm-hmm. of getting to know Antonio Gray, because mm-hmm. you see me a certain way every single day. You see me every once in a while on a stage. That's who you think I am. Right. Well, who are you, Cameron? I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> Kale, uh, thank, thank you for that. But Kale, I, I do, I do want your, um, your, uh, your interpretation of, of what was presented, or what you know, the guy that was rapping the Booty Bandit song. You know, what was your interpretation of that? What did you get from that? Um, I mean, it, it all boils down to a certain hatred um, mm-hmm. that a lot of, especially African American mm-hmm. um, men and women, kind of harbor the gay community and kind of what they feel they the, the gay community sheds on them. It's like we're already black. We already have it hard. And mm-hmm. and, and, and it's most, mostly black homosexuals that are in the forefront um, in, in, in terms of flamboyancy that are highlighted the most. And it doesn't help also, too, as Cameron pointed out, the discrimination that we have amongst ourselves. And everyone had valid points, you know, in, in terms of people wanting to be free. To me, personally, I don't think, I'm not one of those gay men that thinks that every man that is going to shout an obscenity at a gay man is harboring gay tendencies themselves. It's just okay. they don't understand it. It's, it's a conversation that they don't have in their household. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something point. that's very strange to them. It's something that um, kind of attacks, um, as Neandre um, pointed out, a certain manhood that was taught to them. Mm-hmm. Um, most, uh, just as Cam said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you even experienced that, Adrian. You go home, and if you've had a conversation with your uncles or some of your cousins, they always seem to appreciate the fact that you're not overly flamboyant or right. not putting your business on the forefront, so to speak. So there's mm-hmm. this stigma saying that I accept you more because you are more masculine. Right. Um, there's a point in, in there where he said something about him being six foot and 200 and some pounds on his knees sucking a dick or something like that. Right. That somehow emasculated him um, because of his size, him being on his knees sucking dick. You know, but mm-hmm. I think that it just – and and just to piggyback on where the conversation kind of – it really went interesting ways um, here as it, as it went on. But we're fighting as gay men for something that was given to us back in 64, you know. Mm-hmm. So social inequality was prohibited then during the JFK um, era, right after he died. We're still fighting for that. Who wants – to consciously make a choice to say that they are a part of this community? Who wants to come in and be a part of that fight? You know, who wants to fight to be able to, if they want to, if we want to be able to say before our family and close friends that, hey, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life, we have to fight for marriage laws mm-hmm. just just for that. Um, we made a, we brought up a point about um, 
media and how we're presented. Well, media time and time and time and time and time again has shown that they only want to highlight us in certain ways. They always showcase the two flamboyant couples or the flamboyant gay guy who's the makeup artist or who's just somehow the, the, the powder puff of the beautiful chick. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they can look and recognize that this is a gay male. The idea that they can put someone like Cam on TV, someone that is not as flamboyant, is somewhat scary. America doesn't want to see a quote-unquote normal gay guy because that says that they exist. Mm-hmm. They want why, to why, why, why doesn't why doesn't but you said because they exist but why do you why do you yeah. feel America doesn't want to see uh, a, a regular gay male on TV? Well, can, can I for one? I'll, okay, who who, who who is that? This is Andre. Okay, go ahead, Andre. And I will go back to Markel. Um, go ahead. Because yeah, because Markel was just making he was making a very powerful point, but about about media. But the reason that they don't see we don't see that is because today's media is not in the business of representation. They are in the business of perpetuating. Representation is giving a true depiction of how people are off off the screen. Mm -hmm. They are in the business of perpetuating whatever it is the people who are watching the screen want to see. Prime example of that is is how big reality TV has become. They sit hours and hours and hours and edit that footage to make it exactly what it needs to be to perpetuate the storyline they want to show to us. They're not going to give us raw footage because that's going to be representation, which is what actually is happening. Yeah, and, and to go off that, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's point blank. In media and news, it's about ratings, it's about business, it's about advertising dollars. America wants to be entertained. That's why they, they want these louder-than-life individuals like Housewives of Atlanta, or they want the gayer or the gayest person because some people are entertained by that. They want to see that loud, flamboyant person out there because it, it, and ultimately it drives you to the TV. Let's be real. Someone like myself who goes to a job or someone like Cam or Neander that just works and comes home to a family, and it, that's not entertaining. That's not something that's going to drive dollars to their business. So, yes, it's much easier for them to to show a side that may not be as flattering to us, but for them it makes them a lot of dollars, and ultimately that's their, that's their goal. Okay, let me, let me stop there. Let me ask you guys something. Let me ask you something. I, I've seen, um, I'm not going to say any names or any titles, but I've seen a few, uh, well, I've seen a lot. There, I've seen web series that have been created, um, Mm-hmm. that, you know, are supposed to be depicting, you know, just the, the gay lifestyle and, you know, uh, you know, just living kind of like how they have the real housewives and all of that, but they have the gay version of that. I've seen people come up with pilots and, and trying to showcase that and trying to get that onto mainstream TV, you know, whether it be Logo, Oxygen, VH1, whatever, right? And I've seen it time and time again. It's always a new web series out. It's always a new somebody's trying to create a show to pilot to put, you know, to put out there on mainstream. What do you honestly feel is the roadblock as to why they're not getting over that hump? Why are we not being shown on TV? Or not to say why are we not being shown on TV because we kind of covered that, but why are they not picking up those type of shows? Because I've seen some good ones. First of all, the intent is not not natural. Well, it's not genuine. The intent is not natural. Because you're right, you do see web series pop up all over the place, and one thing that you will always hear them say when they're trying to promote is we're trying to show America what, you know, black gay is, but that's not true. 
It's the mm-hmm. same shit, different toilets. They're doing the exact same thing that Atlanta Housewives and Love and Hip Hop and ATL is doing as well. If you go mm-hmm. to their pilots mm-hmm. and you see, look at their little uh, videos that they create, it's still the same stuff, just drama. We're going to show you the mess that goes on in the lifestyle. It doesn't highlight the fact that there are educated black gay men. It, it highlights the girls who run it down the street and she arguing with her about her boyfriend and they fighting in the park. And all. It's right, 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 right. Just a different toilet. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not and, and I would I would definitely have well, to agree with that. And I want to I want to add to it by saying, along with what Neandre said, it's the fact that it's us too. Every single major movement that has happened in the United States has happened because of people banding together to produce or to let everyone really know what's going on. Let, let's just say, for instance, the the, the Civil Rights Movement or whatnot. The Civil Rights Act of 1965 being 1967, that got passed not just because of, oh, we're tired of beating up black people. No, because right. it was nationally televised. The world then began to know what was going on in the South, and it was a bad reflection of who we, what we're supposed to stand for as a country. Then it had to change. I can go even as far as the president. The first black president wasn't because of black folks getting out there to vote because if every single black person black person who is eligible to vote got out there and voted, that's still not enough to elect the president, number one. Mm-hmm. So that changed because we were the only nation who had not advanced with the time in selecting a person of color or a woman to lead its country. So we had to make an adjustment with that. That's just like if you want to make – it goes to my point in saying this. If we want the view and the identity of who we are as homosexuals to change, then somebody has to step out there and begin to make, a, make it a movement. But because of the stigma that's attached, it's kind of like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place because those of us who are proud don't think that the fight is worth it, and then those who really have the – potential to carry the fight, they'd rather stay in the closet because of the stigma that's attached. So I would say it's mainly because of us and what we're doing, and we're not doing anything to perpetuate anything other than what's already out there on a mainstream basis, that is. But, Cameron, what what about, and to to all of you, what about, like, I guess maybe this could be a black-white thing, but what about when um, Logo, maybe it was Logo, they had the show A-List, and A-List featured, what, five or six? Um, you know, Caucasian, I think all of them were Caucasian males who were, you know, prominent guys. They were, you know, doing big things in, in, in the industry. Well, not necessarily the industry, but just doing big things, you know, from real estate to, you know, owning their own salons, businesses, entrepreneurs, all of that good stuff. So my whole thing when I watched that, um, I said, well, well, why? there's no black, so they couldn't find not one black that, that does the very same thing in New York City that, that they're doing. And, why, and, and, and the defense... Uh, they did have a show because um, it featured a guy named Nathaniel, who's really popular up here, and it okay. was a different show. Um, but they they did represent some black. I know what show you're talking about, the A-list, but uh-huh. um, and I know that group of people. But they did have another show that it showcased. Um, it was a little bit more, uh, sec- uh, I mean, a little bit more um, put together as far as the dynamics of the culture <laughs> that they used. Well, I, but the A-list was. Certainly, the A-list was meant to show a certain type of lifestyle here in New York, which mm. is a more privileged, um, mm. uh, the homosexual privileged white sex uh, lifestyle here in New York is quite different than anywhere else because it opens up the Hamptons. It opens up so many um, outlets. So I think that show was more driven towards that. But they did, it, just in, it I didn't start was. Perfect, but it, they did have another show that um, did showcase but, black individuals in that same light. 
I mean, I still didn't think the A-list was any better than any of these other shows, though, because it still was about a bunch of drama negativity. You sleeping with this boyfriend, you with this clique, we don't like you. I mean, it still basically (laughs) had that same stigma, except for it was a bunch of rich men doing it. So do you think whatever... um, Go ahead, The original name of the uh, the A-list, the original title that they had was called Mm -hmm. Kept. It's called Kept? Made it... Kept like okay. like kept as right. in K E P T as in rich basically got money mm-hmm. well taken care of but mm-hmm. they felt like that was too much of a you know that that came off too openly snooty so they changed it to the A list and it, that sounded a little bit more like okay these are people that are doing big things rather right. than kept so that that I mean just the original title of it itself kept just speaks to what the purpose was. It was like mm-hmm. like Antoine was saying. It was to show off a certain lifestyle. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to move on higher in the program. Thank you guys for that. Um, great dialogue. And I want to play one more audio, um, so brace yourselves. Um, this one should be louder because I'm actually playing it from my tablet since this, you know, thing over here is not working. Um, so this should be a little bit louder. And you may have heard this already before. It may have crossed your Facebook timeline once or twice. But we're going to listen to it, and then we're going to talk about it. I want to give a shout-out to my kids, Real Daddy. Thank you, government, for putting me on. I mean, you was the definition of a real father. Because when your kids are hungry, they have food stamps. Yeah, we shop at Walmart. Yeah, we shop at Publix. We shop at Winn-Dixie. When your kids need shelter, yes, you have housing. And you also have Section 8 for a lot of us. And when our kids fall, get hurt, or sick, they have Medicaid. Yes, we go to the ER, we go to the walk-in clinic, and we also can make a doctor's appointment. I get their prescriptions with no hesitation. Now, that's not the definition of a real father, making sure your kids have food, shelter, and health care. I don't know what it is. So, like I said, thank you, government, for being my kid's daddy, and thank you for putting me on. So everybody heard that, right? (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, um, (laughs) so when I saw this, so when I saw, excuse me, when I saw this and I heard it again, you know, I I instantly think of the uh, the accommodation that the government government makes, you know, for parents who make the choice to have a million and one kids with no true meaning. With, excuse me, with no true means to actually take care of them. Um, you know, this, lo- this lady, you know, she went on, this young lady, excuse me, went on for, you know, almost a minute to advise America on how the government is the daddy to her kids. You know, now I personally believe, this is my own personal belief, you know, not knocking nobody, but as an honest, hardworking man in America, that there needs to be stipulations and restrictions when it pertains to anyone getting government assistance. Now, I do believe well, I'm going to say I do believe. I believe that there needs to be, you know, like a required 30, 60, 90, 120-day plan. And that plan is, I believe, is, you know, to assist you on getting your ass off your feet and off of the government. So with that said, who would like to give me their honest responses on government assistance, women abusing the system, and the pacifier that's been given from the government to these able-bodied women of America? I think uh, that, uh, first of all, like things like that appall the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry for my language, but I pay a shit ton in taxes 
every year. And and I think this is what a lot of mainstream America looks like. I, like you saw, I think there was a petition that people were asking for drug tests for anybody who gets um, type of assistance from government. Right. But right. these oh, type geez. of situations infuriate me because I get it, different people have different upbringings and they, they don't have different, but you, the path you choose to take is something and that you choose to take. And it's someone like her that sounds like she's having kids just to have a paycheck. Um, Hello. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, it, that just infuriates me that she's just sitting and probably not doing anything but sitting outside on her house or going to the mall. Or she's probably, First of all, she's probably got the latest iPhone, um, and it's all paid for <laughs> oh, by taxpayers. And that, that just drives me insane that there's no, like you said, there's no, there's no plan, there's no, and I'm, I'm a registered Democrat, and I almost agree with everything except for this. Now, I, I, I definitely believe that in the instance if you, like, you're laid off of a job or, you know, there absolutely should be benefits to assist you. But like you said, something to get you back on your feet or something right. in a place where you can take care of your kids, not something to take care of your kids, period. That, that shouldn't exist. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Who's next? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's only a hard call for me. Only because, Well, it's not really a hard call because I understand what Antoine is saying, which he's definitely right. Um, but I've also seen so many different sides of this fence because, you know, I am from the quote-unquote projects of Alabama, Montgomery, mm-hmm. Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even my twin sister, you know, not going to put a business out on the street. So forgive me, twin. I love you, Andrew. <laughs> but, you know, I, I know how hard I know how hard my twin sister works, and she busts her butt. And right now she's a single mother of three. And so I know and she receives um, food stamps or whatever. Uh, well, really, that's just it, food stamps. No, Section 8 also. But mm-hmm. I also know that she, even though she's on her feet and she's working, if she was to lose those programs, it would, she would not be able to survive either, not off of what she makes, not off of her pay. You know, not living in Montgomery, Alabama is mm-hmm. still not enough either. So it's like I understand that there, there, you have people like the one who we just heard. She makes it hard and bad for everyone else because she's making, she's making a spectacle out of the situation. Then you have those people who are like my twin who actually need those programs and they are trying to do better. But they have those circumstances that they can't get past. You get what I'm saying? So it's like I see both of those sides of the fence. And as a registered Democrat also, um, I believe in those programs. I do think there should be more stipulations, which right now the stipulation are that you do have to take drug tests now. So you do have to take drug tests to receive food stamps and things like that, which are greater steps towards um, regulating the program. However, I think there needs to be a bit more regulation. I don't know if time, if time, I don't, I don't know. I don't think time restraints or time limits would be the answer, but that's something I haven't really sat down and thought about either. But I do, I do know there needs to be more reform on those cycle programs to balance out the good with the bad, like the people, like the little lady versus, like, people who are in, like, my twin situation who are actually trying to get out of those type of circumstances or situations. Okay, so, um, Cam, do you think uh, that eventually they will have, I mean, it may, it may not be to 5, 10, 15 years from now, I don't know, but uh, do you think that eventually one day it, w- it will be a harder requirement, you know, as far as being able to get, I mean, they started with this. Look how long it took them you know, to do it, but, 
you know, do you think eventually they'll, you know, have harder restrictions as far as or, you know, ways to prevent women and well, men I think from getting on systems? I, I, I do think they'll have hard, or stricter, um, more strict reforms or regulations in place. But, however, I do think that comes with greater consequences to the country, such as the, the whole thing about the $15 minimum wage. I think mm-hmm. those incentives or those programs or implementations like that, those will be some of the only ways to eliminate those welfare programs or place stronger restrictions and make it harder for those to get, those people to get in those programs because, like, with things like $15 minimum wage, re- if you have a job, you have enough to make it off of that alone. You get what right. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, those kind of programs or those kind of um, stipulations that will be that Obama suggested, it will take those sorts of things to actually eliminate those kind of programs in which the Republicans complain about. But so they also ask, don't approve of those type of programs. So let, let me let me ask you this, and, and all of anyone who wants to answer. But okay, so your sister, she you said she works or whatever. So, um, but she also you know gets assistance. So is there a certain amount or a bracket that she has to stay within? Because if she makes a certain, if she makes a little bit over or whatever, then she is now disqualified from receiving assistance. Or how does that work? Well, you know, yeah. You do have to make within a certain amount. Um, well, it, it it has different variations depending on how many kids you have versus um, the amount of income you bring in. Bring in. So if you have three kids, there is a certain amount that a certain bracket that you have to be within to meet the qualifications of the program. Okay. All right, um, Markel, Neandre, the two of you want to chime in on what you heard and your feelings behind that. Well, first off, that was some bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a rated R show, so you can't curse. I that. feel, I just, I feel sorry for her on so many levels because whenever she does decide to do things, let's say the quote unquote right way, mm-hmm. I'm a, you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm not going to say the right way because there are people out there who do need that assistance. But when she decides that she doesn't need the assistance anymore, this shit is going to follow her into the interview. Because this mm-hmm. shit has gone viral. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that is just wrong on so many levels, just just that alone. Like Cam said, like DeAndre said, there are so many people who need the assistance um, that people like this chick, they end up affecting those programs because it, it mm-hmm. does make, um, people want to revise and, 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 and really sit down and examine um, a lot of the qualifications for entering um, programs like that. But I, I just feel like even more so, though, and I hate harping on African Americans, but I am African American, and growing up African American, and I was taught in the 80s, early on that I was going to be treated different because of the color of my skin. And one side of my family in particular really harped on the idea of me finishing school so that I can get into working class of America, not striving in route for a college education. It was more or less so for me to hurry up, get out of school so I can help pay for some of the bills. Because I was, basically the idea was I wasn't going to be granted any great opportunities because my grandmother grew up dead of the South, her experience 
unfathomable. So she couldn't possibly perceive the idea of me living, quote-unquote, equally like a white or Caucasian individual, even though we were granted that law, like I said once before, in 64. However, Mm -hmm. one side did instill in me to get good grades so that I could get scholarships that could help pay for college and that I could be whatever it is I wanted to be. And I think that the problem that leads to rants like that going viral is the latter. You know, so many of us grow up into hardcore families where they can't fathom the idea of one of their own making it. So the idea is is just to get through school, and that's all they know. So all they have to look forward to is these programs because they've seen grandma on these programs. They've seen mama on these programs, sister and brother is on these damn programs. So, hey, that's that's, that's it. Uh, put me on, like she said. <laughs> Okay, and and, and and you're you're true. You you are absolutely correct because we, one thing that we have we, what we can't disregard is the fact that these are these people's truth. You know, just like the dude rapping about the booty bandit, he rapped about some things that they're not far fetched. What he said right. does happen. Oh, yeah. You do have straight boys in the hood who got baby mamas and they sleeping with drag queens on the side. And -hmm. this girl right here, all she knows is the welfare program. She thinks that's what it's there for is specifically her. And these are these people's truth. And unfortunately, well, fortunately enough for me, I had someone to show me something different at a very early age. I had someone to culture me early. And when you don't see anything that's in front of you, well, when you don't use your peripherals, all you see what's in front of you. And a lot of times, People in those environments, they don't see anything but the environment in front of them, so they become a victim of circumstance. And not everyone is smart enough. Now, I'm not going to say smart enough. I'll say strong enough to reach for something different or to not become a victim of their circumstance. Instead, they let their circumstance, they rely rely on that circumstance as a crutch, and they don't do any better because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. I, I think that a lot of the blame lies within our the lack of regulation, again, with our government, because when these programs initially started after the Great Depression, they were used as a stepping stone to get to the next level. Back then, they invested mm-hmm. so much in education. They invested in so many different other programs and trade schools that you can get to, to make yourself better so that way exactly. they understand that you if, you if we take this away from you, you can't get it. But if you're not out there, if you don't have an outlet or a way to make yourself better, it's just going to be a, 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 a it's going to be a continual circle that's going to continually happen. Um, like like uh, Cam said, there are so many people who can't they're they're out there working, but eleven dollars an hour is not going to cut it. So yes, I could struggle, but it's much easier for me to get this nine dollar an hour job or this eight dollar an hour job or not work at all, have these kids and have my 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 twelve hundred dollar apartment. All I got to pay is ten bucks a month. Um, it's it's a much easier outlet. So a lot of it is, is is the way that our government is now set up versus when the program started back in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so also a lot of reform that needs. And and and, 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 and Cameron, um, once you once you say what you said, we need to move um, move on. Okay, I was just going to make a quick point to what Antoine said. And remember, these programs that started in the 20s and 30s, too, they were not designed for black people. Black people didn't have access to those programs then either. 
These are for the white families or whatnot who were struggling from the depression and all that. But however, once times progressed and they didn't need those programs anymore and a different dynamic and a different uh, ethnicity became the majority for these programs, I feel like those programs were also abandoned because of that, much like education in America today when it comes to uh, a new kind of segregation. You know, now most black students attend public schools, and now the – I hate to say it, the white kids are mostly attending private schools with the better education now. And to me, all it is is a different and a new form of segregation all over again. And mm-hmm. public, public education has now become abandoned, much like these programs that we're speaking of. All right. Thank There's you so very much. Thank you so very much, Cameron and um, uh, Kale and Antoine and Neandre. I'm going to get you on this next one. Uh, let's speak on, so we're done with the whole political and all, you know, all that craziness. Uh, let's speak on gay relationships. Um, I know that some of you may be actively dating, uh, currently married, or single. But I would love to get your thoughts on just a few relationship questions and or topics, and we'll make this um, not as long because, um, you know, I have some other things I want to point out before the show ends. Um, but, Neandre, we're going to start with you. Uh, if you are in a relationship, you know, there are certain things that you just don't do, okay, no matter how harmless it may seem. And going down the list, and we'll start with Neandre, uh, provide me with two things you feel that partners should not do in a relationship. And when providing those two items, I want you to provide me with a brief explanation, excuse me, supporting your belief. Neandre, are you you here? Did Neandre drop? Oh, okay. So go ahead. No, I'm I'm here. Um, No, I'd be happy to tell you 200 things that you can't do while we're dating. Oh, shit. No, I said two. Go ahead. Um. Let me think. I'm trying to think of, like, some really hard hitters. Um, well, okay, I'll give you my big ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, you don't deny me. I don't want to be denied to your family. I don't want to be denied to your friends. And I don't want to be felt as though I have to be your secret. So and I guess what I'm saying is you need to be able to date me openly. You can, mm-hmm. I can't deal with the DL and the, oh, but I can't let my friend know. I can't let my cousin know, my sister know, all that type of stuff. That's not for me. I'm not the, the secret guy. Um, and this, the second thing is, and I know this might open up a whole other can of worms, but mm. we don't fight. I, I've never, mm. for the life of me, understood domestic violence. If I have to that fight the person that I say I love, then I am telling a lie every time I say I love them. Amen. So we do not fight. We don't physically fight. We argue, we talk through our problems, and we move on, and we decide whether or not we, we're going to be able to uh, coexist in this relationship. But we don't fight. We don't hit each other. We don't throw things at each other. We don't get into this big scuffle, and now I'm sitting in the emergency room with you about your head being bust open that I hit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not, that ain't what we do. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with, I'm with you on that, Neandre. Now, I don't believe in the fighting. Mm-mm. So I, so well, I a lot of people seem to think it's okay. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we see that. Validates their relationship. Mm-hmm. It, 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 if they ain't fighting, they don't love each other. <laughs> right. Right, because if, if he, I know he busts me in my head, that's mm-hmm. his way of showing me that he loved me. Mm-hmm, okay. Because he can't do All right. That. So, so you said denial, and you did explain that, and then you said fighting, and you did explain that. Okay. 
Thank you. So, uh, uh, Kale, uh, what are what are the two things that um, that you feel partners should not do in relationships, and provide me with the explanation for both? Um, well, well, I guess it would be basically uh, one would be just like uh, Neandre said, uh, just being comfortable who you are. I think that is a must. Um, I'll be thirty two come September fourth, so um, hiding for me is not even an afterthought, it's non-existent. You know, you have to be comfortable with who you are because, I mean, that leads to so much positive energy all within itself. So so, you're, so you would say um, that denial thing again, you know, you can't deny who you are. Yeah. Okay. You can't okay. deny who you are, you have to be comfortable who you are, mm-hmm. no hiding, no ducking, no diving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of that. Okay, um, what else? Shit. Um... I would have to say, uh, mate, you you can't. Someone who can be, you have to be, I guess, an effective communicator. Um, comfortable, uh, because if you can communicate with me effectively, there's no room or no need for you to lie. You know, there's an open forum for honesty. Uh, we can talk about our hopes, you know, our wants for the future, um, issues that we're having. So if you can't be an effective communicator, then we can't work. Okay. All right. So so you don't do the denial and you don't do the people who don't know how to um Communicate. Okay, can I piggyback on something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Like, okay. Now, this is a question, okay? Okay. Um, to to all of you, um, I've for me coming into the situation, I was I was very green, and you know this, in terms of male on male interpersonal relationships, relationships in general, um. To me, the science kicks in, it's testosterone. I don't know how many times I've been around my male cousins and we love each other, but we've gotten into fights. Now, fights meaning we have not tried to kill each other. I didn't pick up a vase and bust it on their head. I didn't do any of that. But we fought. So I don't see how that does still not transcend into a male-on-male relationship. i got to go with Neandre with what he said. There's no possible way that you should fight someone and still say that you love them because I get testosterone, but you have the option not to take it to that level. You have the option to leave the house. You have the option to do so many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and maybe it's, we find it maybe it's more acceptable in younger and more more immature individuals that maybe don't understand what real love is. But at my age, um, if I'm fighting you. There, there, there's no real love because I'm not going to go punch my mother in the, the face. That's, I love her to death. Um, I'm not going to slap my sister. She has pissed me off so many times I wanted to strangle her, but that's not how I express my love. We disagree. We sometimes may call you a name that you don't, and then you apologize later about it. But to mm-hmm. me, when you raise a hand to someone or try to cause bodily harm to someone, that's a whole nother level of something. Hmm. It is. 
And, okay. and I would have to say the same thing. I, I would definitely agree too because my okay, thoughts can, 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 can we can we get something? Okay. Can we get two things that? <laughs> I mean, because I'm sure. Oh, for me? Look, DeAndre got 200. I'm going to and get 200. Oh, Cam, we sorry, Cam. Oh, I ain't get to play nothing. Next time, Cam. Next time. I know that there are two, Cameron. I know that there are two things. Oh, you mean, I just said name two. So give me two other things. Oh, I have to give you two things? Yeah, just give me two other things. That you that you oh, okay. not do in relationship. Well, I feel like lie. Um, I feel like there's never a need to lie um, in a relationship, especially like with me. But only because I feel like I, I pride myself in understanding the human being more so, just in general. So mm-hmm. I know we all make mistakes. We all gonna mess up, and I feel like. If you never lie to me, then that won't ever give me a reason not to trust you. For instance, mm-hmm. I was in a three-year relationship. He cheated on me from the third month to the third year. However, there was nothing that I ever questioned because each time he did, he did tell me. And in some strange, awkward way, I never questioned what he was out there doing because I trusted him enough to, number one, be himself and do what he was going to do, but it was up to me whether I accepted or not, and which at the time I did. And then number two... You know, I just, I trusted the whole situation. I was never, I never felt like I couldn't trust him. You get what I'm saying? It's awkward, but that was just my mindset. Hold like, on, wait, Cam. You, Let me make sure I heard this right. So you said he, he, um, he what now? <laughs> the third month. <laughs> the third year. Each time he cheated, okay, he always told me. <laughs> I mean, each time he cheated, he told me. I never wondered what he's doing because I trusted him enough to, well, whenever he did something, he just told me. And so it's like there was never a point of discomfort because, at, at the, I mean, I had to make a choice whether I was going to accept it or not accept it. And at the time, I called myself called myself being in love, so I knew that I wasn't going nowhere. I knew that, you know, I was happy for the most part. If he would have never told me, I would have never known, but... I had no reason not to trust him because I trusted him to tell me everything, and he did okay. for So, Cameron, you said you should never lie. You should always tell the truth. What else? What's another one? Um, the next thing, the next thing is don't disrespect me. Okay. You know, my my biggest thing with any relationship, whether it be friendship, family ship, you know, relationship, don't just don't disrespect me because I believe in giving everyone respect because that's the only thing that I feel like I owe to you as a human being is the respect of being human and the respect of being my brother or sister or my husband or friend or whatever. I owe you that respect. So give me that much in return. Okay. And um Antoine? Yes. Um what are two things? My my first one, it might seem really crazy, but I see I feel that it works for me. You can't go to bed mad at me. Okay. Um, that weighs on my heart. Um, mm-hmm. When someone I'm with and we're laying in the same bed and there's there's that coldness, I think over time it wears out a relationship. It kills what you developed, what you built. Um, besides for bed being your intimate place, that's the time that you cuddle. That's most time, probably most couples spend together is that time you sleep together. So I would right. never let someone go to, to bed mad at me. That, that's very important to me. Okay. Um, the, the second thing is something that I've recently learned, um, and it's not so much um, mine, but it's something that a person that I'm with, and um, we're 
we're dealing with is mm-hmm. uh, the level of 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 visibility, if that makes sense. Um, I cannot be invisible, not to the extent that people don't know who you are, um, but w- when I'm with someone, the person I'm with is not as sociable as I am when we're outside. Um, mm-hmm. And although we spend a lot of time together in private, when we're out, I'm talking to people, and I, my fault, tend to not remember to go, hey, babe, include you into this conversation. It's right. a group of individuals that they don't know. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's one thing is, 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 I guess, now that's on my radar is the level of visibility that you have for your, uh, your other half. Okay. So, uh, Neandre, if you want to be in a relationship with Neandre, do not deny him, okay, and do not fight him. If you want to be in a relationship with uh, Markel, <laughs> do not you deny him. Don't kick him no face, smash me on my head. Okay, do do not deny him, and you know, uh, don't sit there and not communicate. You know, have open communication. If you want to be in a relationship with uh, Cam, well, I know that you know you're married, but still, uh, don't lie to him. You know, and don't disrespect. And with Antoine, you know, let's not go to bed mad because you know it's going to be on his heart. You know, he can't. He don't want that on his heart. And then visibility, you know, the level of visibility. So thank you for that. Um, quick, I, I really to... like that last one. Yes, I really do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I really like that. Let me let me ask you guys this: Do you believe? Uh, I'm gonna give it to. Hmm, who do I want to give it to? I'm gonna give it to DeAndre. Do you believe that your boyfriend should have access to all of your social media accounts? As well as your laptop oh, for your for your personal phone. Damn, Lord <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> do I believe fire. that they should have access to your social media I, accounts I and your laptop? Access. I will grant access to all of my accounts, my mm-hmm. laptop, my phone, everything electronic I have. He can have mm-hmm. access um, under one condition. Mm-hmm. He must purchase them all. Strong. <laughs> oh. Okay. He can, if he wants to purchase them all, he can have access to them because, in actuality, they're his. Mm-hmm. If I purchase these things with my money, mm-hmm. what I do with them and on them are my business, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, if you need access to everything that I have and you need to peek into my accounts and all this type mm-hmm. of stuff, we already need to have a problem because there's no trust here. Amen. Amen. Andre, we are twins. And, and people, what, <laughs> what people don't, what people don't realize, and I am one of the biggest. Uh, I've been, you know, drugged through the mud and hurt many, many times. So I have trust issues. So I can understand someone having trust issues. Right. But one of the things that I have learned to accept in life is that being in love with some, with someone, mm-hmm. is the act of allowing them the opportunity to possibly break your heart. You want to take that risk with them, or you're not. In Mm -hmm. taking that risk, you can't try to renege in the middle of it and go snooping through stuff and all that type of stuff. No, you're taking a risk, so go ahead and take the risk wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. So, right off what? question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that was it. No, I I don't think that should. I don't think that they should be able to um, go through, have access to my things. Okay. No, that's just that's it's it's going a, a bit too far. I, I, I agree with Neandre, and honestly, let's be real. If you're looking for something, you're going to find it regardless of how innocent it could be. You're going mm-hmm. to take a, an innocent conversation, and you're going to twist it. You know, some friends call, hey, boo, how you doing? Who's this boo? Who's this? You're, right. You're asking for issues when you <laughs> okay. 
you are asking for so many extra issues. And then let's be real, there are people, I'm sure all of us can agree that, that we will get a random message in our inbox from someone that we've never, they're not even our friend. Oh, yeah. It's some inappropriate. And if you're in there oh, and they're, yeah. well, I see that you're having this conversation. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can't control who sends me what. That's, that's right. something that I can't control. So <laughs> by, by opening that, baby, you open up. You're just going. You opening a, a lot of arguments that aren't needed, honestly. I yeah. Mean, like, like you said, ultimately it's trust issues. If you got, you need all that. You don't trust them. So why are you there? All right. Well, um, thank you for that. And um, um, yeah, with the whole boo thing, you know, like back. In the, I say back in the day, like we're old, but you know, back in the day, boo and babe—that was really a, a really a term of endearment for your 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 boo thing and your love and all that. But now. Everybody say, hey, boo, you know, hey, babe, what's going yeah, on, you know? It's like it's, saying hi. Exactly. You know, exactly. Okay. Um, That's why I don't like my, if I do date someone, I don't want them to call me boo, because everybody boo. Okay. What am I? <laughs> what yeah. am I? I don't want to fall into the, in the, into the box with everybody else. Um, let me ask you this. Do you believe that it's healthy for couples, to um, and this, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give this to Cam. I'm gonna give this to. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Antoine. Um, and then if somebody else wanna, you know, give their answer, that's fine. But do you believe that it's healthy for couples to be Facebook friends as well as Instagram friends? Um, I would have to say it hasn't caused any problems in my relationship thus far. I don't think mm-hmm. it really matters per se. Mm-hmm. Like I know I don't even. I don't really even check my boyfriend's Facebook page mm-hmm. or his Instagram. I, we, we're friends on both, but it's something that I don't even pay attention to, to be honest, and he doesn't really pay attention to mine either. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it hasn't caused any riffraff or anything like that. Now, that's for this relationship. <laughs> well, some past ones. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and now for a few past ones, I probably should not have been his Facebook friend because he had little thoughts. I don't. I think I used that term correctly. Or little friends that would make statuses about how they want to take him away from me and how they. Anyway, neither here nor there. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I do get what you're saying. Um, so, do you guys think that? What is all that plan? I'm sorry. So, do you guys think that um, there should be a discussion in the early stages of well, the relationship, or while you're dating? That was. I was just going to say is with ahead, my current situation, the first. Uh, Five months of us being here, we were not Facebook friends. Um, for we, it, it, I just feel like again, it just creates so many more issues when you open up Facebook into your life. Um, and I get, I'm a person that if anybody follows, I post a lot. Um, but mm-hmm. sometimes I tend to keep my private life, especially who I'm dating or someone I'm dealing with, really hush hush until I know that we're on a solid foundation. Because there's a lot of people out there who are messy and who will try and mess it up just because. I just had this experience, and I'm not going to mention a name because everybody on this call knows who this person is. Um, but this person, when I when we, it was very obvious that we were posting back and forth and tagging each other. They tried to completely sabotage it um, for no other selfish reason that but, but whatever they concocted in their mind. So I we had a discussion well before we started and said. Let's not do this for the first five months. Um, now, we are friends on Facebook. I'm not his friend on Instagram, but I'm not huge on Instagram anyway, so it, it would be pointless for me to follow him on there because um, mm-hmm. so, I don't even really check my Instagram. So 
Um, it's just I, I do feel that it's a conversation that every couple should have, and 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 knowing, especially people who are in the life, like Sam and DeAndre and myself, um, we we perform. We have a lot of people who are quote unquote fans, or you know, and you know, and excuse my language, like I used to call them star fuckers. You know, it's like when you, it's almost like a gay celebrity. Oh, I gotta get him, or you know, people right. Are, so sexy, I need to have that. And so they're, they're, you you have these people because, of course, they're your fan base when you're performing or you're doing pageants, but these people are also can be very messy when it comes to if you chose someone and it's not them. It's true. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to move. Uh, when I tell you this is really good, but I'm, I'm going to move to something, um, uh, and then, you know, we'll go back and forth. But, uh I, I would say in the past year, and this is going to Neandre and and, and Kayla, I'm pinpointing you. I'm pinpointing this or giving this to you for a reason. Um, I want you guys to, to give me your opinion, then we'll move on. Um, I want to I want to say in like the past year, you know, there's been many deaths that have resulted in people meeting on gay social hookup sites, you know, such as Jack Grinder, Boy Hoy Chat, all that kind of stuff, you know, and being tricked by heterosexual men. I know that each of us at some point or another, have entertained in some form or fashion those noted apps, you know, one or the other or whatever. While some only, you know, want to entertain the people only on the app and, you know, have no desire to meet in person, there are others who consistently use that tool as a way to meet and screw or, you know, all the, I'll say that in a lot of words, screw. So what do you feel, me, Andre, and Kale, uh, can be done to prevent, or to prevent, excuse me, these senseless crimes from happening that are derived from the jack and the grinder and the boy hoy. So how, 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 how do you think? Go, go ahead. Yeah, Markel, do you want to go first? Uh, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, okay, so it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, it's all about really, truly loving yourself. You know, um, really care about the the situations that you are about to put yourself into. I mean, obviously, these people are strangers. Regardless of how horny you may be, you you still have to treat these individuals like strangers because Mm -hmm. there's this wonderfully entertaining show out called, what, Catfish? Yeah. Um, There's multiple, for you Netflix watchers, there's multiple... Um, documentaries on people who've literally gotten killed, um, um, and it wasn't even uh, in the gay lifestyle, in the, in the hetero lifestyle, from mm-hmm. um, people pretending to be um, someone that they weren't. Um, there are all types of people who join these sites for different reasons. I think first and foremost, if you're going to meet someone, you have to take the necessary precaution. I know with my group in particular, if we were ever going out to meet um, anyone, people knew where we were at all times. We texted when we left or when we got there, we texted the address, everything. If you were going to kill me, whatever whatever was going to go down, right? someone was going to know and have some information as to where I was last, and it was going to be able to be trailed. I think you just have to take care to care about you and, and, and make sure that the people that you are going to meet somehow are who they say they are, uh, keeping it at public places, um, 
I was working for that. Have a roommate. Make sure that they are present and whatever the case may be. Be careful. I don't know. Just be careful. Leandre. Well, I definitely am not one who is going to uh, criminalize the apps or the sites or whatever they may be, um, because I think that it's circumstantial and these type of things, these crimes or whatever, um, mm-hmm. they're not new. I mean, people have been being murdered for years, and you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be have met them on a site or an application for you to meet a crazy fucker who's going to try to kill you. Right. So you can meet someone at the club and go go home with them. Um, but what can be done about it, um, I, I mean, it it's basically, you know, like Markel said, you have to be aware of your surroundings, number one. Um, number two, you need to make sure that someone is, is knows where you're going. Um, even though, really, <laughs> I was having this conversation with someone one time before, and um, they were like, well, I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to such and such, and I'm going to meet this guy, and he lives over by blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, girl, if he kill you, you just be dead. I know you're at, but you're still dead. <laughs> but so that's not really that much of a help to tell someone where you're going. It's what you do when you get there. If you walk into a situation where you walk into somebody's house and it's two or three thug-looking motherfuckers standing up in there and they expect you to go into the back and, oh, we cool, my homeboys, they don't know about me. Baby, listen, you're about to get robbed. Get your ass out of there. If you come to somebody's place and they got you meet them into the back alley of some shit, all, all this kind of stuff that's very, very um, telltale, like it tells you right up front you're in a mm-hmm. bad situation, turn your ass around. Go home. Get out of there. I mean, it's like it just it's common sense, I think, would stop a lot of this stuff, a lot of it. If somebody doesn't want to send you um, the right address, they're they going to get right. doors down. And then when you get out front, they're coming out there and – at that point, and I'm not, I, I'm nobody's angel, and I've been single for five years, so I have the right to be on any app I want. But mm-hmm. if I'm talking to someone on Jack or any any other site or anything else, and they tell me some shit like that, the conversation is over. I'm not putting myself right. into any type of shady situation where the outcome could be I got killed trying to meet somebody off of Jack. No, thank you. So my solution is just use common sense. Mm-hmm. Thank you so very much. I, I would say just meet it. Meet, meet in a public place, you know, <laughs> if you can, you know, have, you know, like I, I, and I never really, I mean, I entertained the app, but I never actively entertained it as far as, like, meeting people and stuff, you know, that may have been a one-off here and there when, you know, I was on it, but, you know, just having constant conversation with the people, like, I, I just would never do the, oh, meet up, meet you tonight, you know, on the, on the app, and then before you know it, I'm at your house, you know, not knocking nobody. You know, but for me, my my safety precaution was let me talk to them for a couple of days. I know it. I know it's Jack, hence the word. I know it's Grinder, hence the word. But you know, if you read my, if, if you read my if you read my ad, it tells you what I'm what I'm looking for, what I'm wanting, what I'm seeking, or whatever case may be. So if you hit me up, we talking, then baby, you you gonna talk to me for a couple of days before I before I meet you. And if I meet you, we are gonna meet in a public place. Well, you mean at your house just yet? I don't know who may come out the bedroom. You know, so um. So, yeah, well, thank you so much, Leandra and, and Kale. Um, now, I read an article online where it speaks to the fact that former adult film star Bobby Blake is now a pastor, for those of you who watch porn and, and like it like I do. Um, and for those that don't know who Bobby Blake is, um, he started his career in the industry in the late 80s, I believe, and, and most known for performing scenes with his then-long-time partner, Flick Dion. Now, he eventually retired from the adult film industry around, like, I guess it was, like, 2000, um, and then has become an, an ordained Christian minister. 
Now, keep in mind, you know, Blake now criticizes the adult film industry as corrupt, and, you know, he advises young people not to enter into it. Um, he also opposes same-sex marriage, but he favors other means for securing gay rights like civil unions. So my question to the panel is, would you knowingly attend, I just want you guys on the street, would you knowingly attend the church of an adult film star turned pastor? Yes. Yeah, I don't think what he did before his calling really has anything to do with mm-hmm. his part is now. Um, right. I mean, we are all sinners at some point. So exactly. to say what sin is worse than the other um, and, right. and what can or cannot say that you're able to speak God's word or if God talked to you and called you to the pulpit. I just I just don't feel like that's really relevant, what you did prior to your sins being, um, you know. I agree. I agree. Um, I saw this on um, – from... You said what? Okay. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Right. You know, so, you know, it was nothing that I I don't. Go ahead. My reason for going probably wouldn't be as innocent. Um, I I would probably be in there on some time and go see what the tea is with this. Is that Neandre? (laughs) Yeah, this is Neandre. And I'm just being completely honest. And I want you to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I'm just being completely honest. I'll be like, let me go see what Miss Thane talking about in here. (laughs) <laughs> so I could, I'm clear. I'd be like, "What, what you got to say?" Right, but, right. And me, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not. Um, go ahead, go ahead, Cam. Go ahead. Oh no, I was saying, and I would go. You know, I'm not a big fan of religion anyway, so mm-hmm. it really his his doings or whatever. To me, that's what religion rules say. You're not supposed to do this in order to preach this. So I'm not a fan of religion anyway, but I do like getting different people's ideologies on living and on how you should live your lives and stuff. I'm always open to another person's way of thinking and his mm-hmm. views on the way of living. You get what I'm saying? So that's probably why I would tend. Even if it only makes you say, hmm, that's interesting. Exactly, exactly. Right. Right. I, I think I would go to this list and, you know, like now I'm just like, I'll go in and, you know, sit down and, you know, see what he's talking about. And if I'm not feeling it, you know, I'll just walk on out the door. But, you know, I, I thought that was interesting because I didn't know. You know, I saw it on someone's Facebook page. They had the question up and everything. I said, I'm going to use that. So I'll picture him in his, you know, robe and everything. I was like, okay, Bobby Blake, you know, because I remember coming, you know, when I came to Atlanta, I think, what, 2001? And I gave pride. You know, he was in the mall with Flex and all that. So, I think he left 2000, but he was still kind of in the scene for, you know, a little bit, and then now he's an ordained Christian minister. So um, good luck to you, Bobby Blake. So I want to end with this. Um, let me see. We have 13 minutes. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I have so much I want to talk about, but that's just how it goes. Um, okay. We, we, hmm, I'm, I'm going to say it. We're going we're gonna to ride with this, and then we're going to be done. When it pertains to the HIV-AIDS epidemic in our community, you know, many rest on platforms wanting those of our community to know your status, for you to get tested, and to practice safe sex. But it seems that when people go to the lengths of posting their current HIV statuses, be that negative or positive, there are people or individuals out there who have a problem with people being vocal about their recently known status. So um, anyone who wants to chime in, what do you feel um, about those individuals that post pictures of their results online? And do you think that it's a private matter not meant to be, not meant to be public knowledge? So that's a two-part question. So, you know, what do you feel about those who, you know, post pictures of their results? 
And then, you know, um, if you want to, you know, chime in as far as do you think that, you know, that portion is more of a private private matter with you and your family and your close friends. So whoever wants to talk, we have about 12 minutes, but really I'm going to give you all 10. Okay. I'll jump in because everyone knows that I'm very vocal about this issue. Um mm-hmm. I I do think it's, it should be a private matter. I'm not okay. going to say it is because for some people don't believe in it. My personal opinion is that it should be a private matter. Your status should be discussed only between you, your doctor, and anyone you're having sex with. Okay. Um, I do think that posting it, posting your status on social media is a bit inappropriate, and it's also um, insensitive to those who may or may not be the same or, or, or different status um, mm-hmm. to those to whatever they're posting. And mm-hmm. then the other, the other problem I have, and this one is a little bit more, um, this is just a little bit more something that annoys the hell out of me, is that okay. the person, people will run and go and get tested, and they will mm-hmm. gladly come back and post a, a result that was negative. But had they gotten that paper and it said it was positive, they probably wouldn't have put mm-hmm. They would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what irritates me. So you're either going to be someone who's open about your your um, your health status or you're mm-hmm. going to be someone who's only open about your health status when it's good. And I don't like those type right. of people who only want to highlight their goods. They're, they're not able to deal with what their bads are. So if that's not something that you would be willing to put out if it was positive, then keep mm-hmm. it to yourself because you're not impressing anyone by putting that you're negative because you're, you're negative today and you're on your way to have sex again tonight. Right. And if you're exactly. and the other thing, one more other component I want to add okay. before I up, let somebody else talk is some people um are making themselves look like what the kids now are calling a thought. If you are posting your HIV status every three weeks, if Ooh. Tested every three weeks, you're telling uh, us what you're doing. That means right. you to, you're continuously hoeing out that you got to go and get checked every three weeks. Sit mm-hmm. down, have a seat. Yeah. So what? So what, see, now, Andre, what do you what do you think about like? Okay, so I get the part, you know, uh, of anyone that's negative posting that could be insensitive to those that you know that aren't, you know. So I get that. So what about? I've seen where people have posted videos, whether it be on YouTube or whether it be on Facebook, and they're open, you know, opening up. Hey, you know, I have HIV. Um, this is my story. Da da da. And then they get hate. They get people hate them for doing that too. So so it's it's, it's like a double standard, you know. So it's like well, that's why I come. That that it, it comes back to what I said initially. That's why mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's just a private, private matter. matter. Right, right. It's okay. not it's something you discuss in public. And the, uh, I, I just I agree wholeheartedly with Neandre said. To me, it's a private matter. It's like I posted this picture that said I got my own job, my own car, my own house, or whatever. And then it was like, congrats on being an adult. Now sit your regular ass down somewhere. That's how I feel about this. Congratulations <laughs> on taking care of your responsibility right. that you're supposed yeah. to do anywhere. So go and sit your ass down somewhere. Like your results, that that kind of stuff, it is supposed to be private. To me, I'm like. Who are you trying to prove something to? Do, mm-hmm. do you have something to prove to me? Do you have something to prove to them? Like, you have nothing to prove. Congrats on taking care of your responsibility. Life goes on. Because then, like you said, whether it's positive or negative, no matter mm-hmm. what your intentions are when you post sort of things like that, they're going to come a backlash. They're going to come certain Either way. that people have of you now mm-hmm. on. Either way. So why even go through all that? And then on the other hand, too, I wish people would stop using HIV statuses as a reading mechanism too. Yes. It's like the first thing that people want to say 
Yeah, like they that, are. That and becomes, <laughs> you, you're, you're sick or you have HIV or you AIDS infested, all that type of stuff. That stuff has, to me, that has become the modern day yo mama. It's ineffective. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that it should be. That. Yeah, I agree that it, it it should be private, but I still have to say that I like what social media has done for us outside of a lot of the negative things that are affiliated with social media. It gets us talking about these issues that we mm-hmm. typically don't talk about. Someone mm-hmm. because someone has posted their HIV status, we now have an open forum to discuss. How we feel about that? Mm-hmm. How do we feel about someone announcing that they have posted their status on Facebook? Maybe they mm-hmm. posted it on Facebook because they can't talk to anyone um, in their home, their immediate friends. So they're seeking something. Social media right. is just it, it, it's opened up so many discussions, so many topics. Now people are freely able to reveal how they truly feel for the good or the bad, where right. they typically conversations was just limited person to person, and we all know how that goes. Oh, yeah, I love you. And then as soon as they walk away, they goddamn bitch. Right. Now say you are a goddamn bitch from the comforts of our home, on lunch break, at work, or wherever. So for me, though, it is a private matter. I'm glad someone is doing it because we get to talk about things that we typically wouldn't talk about at the okay. typical dinner or setting, so it's oh, education and, all around. Now, Antoine, um, uh, before I close um, this, and I, I'll try and, and make my brief. Um, I feel that the actual posting of the, the letter, uh, all it is is a grandstanding because, like I said, how many times do you see someone post, like, you know, I just said, the positive one? You know? Right, right, right. Because that's just, so that's just them trying to grandstand and trying to just show off to whoever they're trying to show off to. Um, but I do feel that, um, that, like, there's a huge campaign. I don't know if it's nationwide. I know here in New York they have this huge campaign right now where it's, it's called HIV Stops With Me, um, and mm-hmm. there's HIV-positive people. Um, and I have a, a friend who's actually really, really popular in that, um, in that brand, and, mm-hmm. they, and they have full-fledged billboards. Like, there's one near Times Square. Um, I, that's a million-dollar billboard they bought out. And it, it starts, and there's, there's all these personal stories of how these individuals contracted um, HIV um, from whatever way that they have. Um, and I just feel that it, it, even though that some, they, they, I'm, I know that my one friend, he gets a lot of hate mail for it because he's very uh, on the forefront of the issue. He's very uh, active in it. I feel that he's doing a service um, to individuals who maybe not know how to cope with it. Like, I, we don't know who's dealing with it because it's such a secretive thing. Like, right. someone could be dealing with and, and, and fighting with their own demons with it. Um, and, and if someone did post that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the positive on Facebook, maybe it's someone that they could talk to. Um, because a lot of times we hear these stories of people who, who can't go to their family, who can't go to their They have no one to go to. Um, so I think that having the, the the negative everyone posting their negative that's just grandstanding but I, I I honestly wish that there were more people out there that would post a, a positive just to show that hey I'm not ashamed of it. Just like we're mm-hmm. you you're not ashamed of anyone who contracts E. coli or uh, salmonella, and, and they got it from touching another individual or maybe kissing someone. So th- th- I've just this stigma of oh they're lesser than because they're positive. Get out of here with that. I mean really it, it, I mean you you're you could have been one condom break away from that. You know? Exactly. 
So okay. it, 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 it's the way that people think um, and, and the way that a, a lot of it is our, 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 unfortunately our gay community now. We're, wor- we're almost as bad, worse than straight people when it comes to this because we do ridicule and we, we're so quick to, oh, a girl, he got a house in Virginia. Girl, he got, he, right. he, really? I mean, like, it's, it's that, it's that, it's that, that way that we think. So, and at the end of the day, we all, we all just have to, we have to do better and we have to be better. You know, it starts with us. Oh, of course. You know, and, and of course, when oh, we walk that walk and, and we live that way, then, you know, if, like I say, negativity breeds negativity. Well, same thing. As long as you're, you know, you're walking a positive light, you know, and you're being a positive individual, people around you will want to be positive. They will want to be able to live the life that you live, no matter what your status is, you know, and that's just not your, you know, your HIV, but just whatever your status is in life. So we have uh, uh, three minutes, and I hope we can do this really, really quickly. Does everybody have their credo? Yes. yes or no? Okay. So um, before we leave, I ask each guest to provide us with their personal credo. And for those that don't know what a credo is, a credo is just basically a set of beliefs that drives thoughts and behaviors. So because I asked you guys to prepare a personal credo, and I hope we can do this as fast as we can, I prepared one as well, and I challenge those of you listening to prepare your own. And email them to me because I would love to share with the rest of the world. So here's mine. Really, really short. I want to be open to every experience that I have without fear, closure, or rejection, and to help others cultivate the same openness to their own experience, okay? And that, that, you know, at this time, you know, that is how I guide my life from day to day, okay? So let's hear yours. Cam, what's your credo? My credo is simply doing my best to make my dash count. The dash is the dash between the birth date and the death date on your tombstone. Okay, thank you. Cam? Live and let live. Live and let live. Okay. Neandre? My credo is to know that life is about circumstance and your wisdom to know when circumstance has won and when it can be swayed. Thank you, Neandre. And Antoine, last but not least. My, my personal credo is no matter how hard that you feel that life is handing you your ass, someone always has it worse. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for the credos. And, again, everyone listening, please email me your credo, and I'll be happy to dissuade them on the Facebook page, um, the Talk with Mike and Friends, as well as, you know, um, I'll, you know, reveal those on, on the next show. But I'm sleepless and it's over So somebody show me well, as we know, all good things must come to an end, but I want to personally thank each of the guys who took the time out of their busy and hectic schedules, because trust me, they are some busy professionals, to sit down and just talk with me regarding issues within the LGBT community as well as the media. I want to advise everyone that on next week, I'll be sitting down with the lovely, the well-respected, the entertainer herself, Jasmine Bonet, to have a little coffee talk, okay? Jasmine will finally answer all the questions that you guys want the answers to about her life, her career, and she's also willing to take live calls from the listeners. So please stay tuned for that. That'll be next Wednesday at 9 p.m. sharp, okay? So here is this week's quote. Sometimes it takes sadness to know happiness, noise to appreciate silence, and absence to value presence. I'll say it again. Sometimes it takes sadness to know happiness, noise to appreciate silence, and absence to value presence. Think about it. Until next time, everyone be blessed.